0: So I do want to say that we are going to be welcoming the Reverend Frank Schaefer. He is an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church, where he's ministered for more than 20 years. In 2013, he was tried by a United Methodist court for offering and officiating his son's same-sex marriage. He was defrocked on December nineteenth, two 2013. He is the author of the book defrocked how a father's act of love shook the united methodist church so in just one second here we are going to welcome reverend franklin schaefer to outspoken so
1: uh, he is on the phone so we are going to start He is hello welcome reverend franklin schaefer
2: yes hi thanks for having me
1: thank you for being on uh we've been reading your book uh this whole week jonathan and i and it is just so invigorating the whole story uh, the book is so well-written, and we, we just want to talk to you so much about it and the whole process of the trial.
0: And and before we do that, let me just ask you really quick, can you hear us all right? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Perfect, yeah. So, you know, we want everybody maybe in our listening audience who is not aware of of the story and everything that happened, can you give us a brief synopsis of... That crazy couple of years and what happened, so people understand kind of what we're talking about.
2: Okay, I'll give you the the story in a nutshell. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it actually started um, a little bit earlier in the year 2000 when my son Tim came out to my wife and myself, mm-hmm, yeah. and uh, we we started to realize that um, you know that the church um, is really um, using abusive language. Toward our LGBT brothers and sisters, we hadn't, we didn't know mm-hmm. what that felt like to our LGBT, LGBT brothers and sisters until our son came out to us and said that uh, you know he experienced this language in our you know, um, book of discipline, which mm-hmm. is our doctrinal and uh, law book in the United Methodist Church, as uh, as saying to him that he can't be homosexual, homosexual and, and go to heaven. So he started to to pray. Against it, and he, he said to God, "Please make me normal. I don't want to be homosexual. I don't want to go to hell." Right, yeah. And it plunged him into a deep depression. And as he shared all of this with us, of course, you know, as as parents, you can't help but just rally around your child. That's what we did. We we hugged him. We were totally dissolved in tears. We we told him we loved him so much, and mm-hmm. and and we said to him, "Look, I mean, obviously, you didn't choose this. You you didn't want to be homosexual, yet you are. So this must be." the way God created you, you know, and God, so God loves you lot, God created you in God's image just like everybody else, and so we, we affirmed him throughout the years, really kind of countering mm-hmm. the, yeah. the doctrine of the Church, and then by the time we get to the year 2006, and my son asked me, Dad, would you do the honor and perform the ceremony, the wedding ceremony between me and Bobby, you know, there was no way I could have said no to him. It would have mm-hmm. negated all of yeah. our affirmations, and I didn't want to, you know, it was a, really an honor to be asked. So I performed the wedding then in 2007 in the state of Massachusetts. Um, now, at this point, I had been ministering in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, about 300 miles away. We didn't make it a big deal. It was—it happened in a restaurant, uh, not even in a church, but it was a, a Christian ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kept quiet about it, actually. I never made an announcement to my church in Lebanon because it's a very, very conservative area. And uh, I knew it would have divided the Church, and I just, you know, didn't want that. Uh, So six years go by, almost six years, and somebody in my congregation finds out about it, files a complaint against me. Actually, first of all, they drove up to Massachusetts to the courthouse in Boston to find the document, Mm -hmm. the marriage certificate with my signature on it, and uh, filed a complaint against me, and this initiates... Uh, this church trial, right? So this is happening now in 2013, just last year. Right. So in November, I get through this church trial, and uh, I basically couldn't stand down from my position because because of my son, and not only because of my son, but because of so many friends we've made from the LGBT community. I just, I just had to stand for them and say, this is not right, what we're doing is discrimination, it destroys people's lives, mm-hmm. it's, it's wrong. Not in the spirit of Jesus, and uh, and so because of my um, unrepentant quote unquote attitude, <laughs>
3: um,
2: <laughs> I, I got defrocked. They they took my job away, and I, I found myself without a church, actually, and uh, you know without a career. And, uh, and and what happened then was that that I was uh, invited by a lot of of churches and universities and seminaries to mm-hmm. speak. And uh, that really supported us during that time. So I'm just still amazed how how God really never, um, you know, never dropped us. Was stood mm-hmm. by us, right. uh, you know, through this whole trial and, and, and this tribulation. Um, and and not only uh, God, but but the reconciling part of the United Methodist Church, which was really so amazing to us to see that there's so much support within the United Methodist Church, not just. You know the ucc and the mcc and mm-hmm. episcopalian churches but also right. the, the united methodist church has so much support and that really restored our faith you know in the church in in the united methodist church
3: mm-hmm. i
2: also appealed the decision and actually i was reinstated back in june june 26th and oh, wow. uh, then then the 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 council for the church challenged that decision took it to the um, Supreme Court of the United Methodist Church, if you will, which wow. we call our Judicial wow. Council, mm-hmm. and they just decided uh, a couple months ago in, uh, in October, they decided to, to stand by that reinstatement And so now that was the last instance that no appeal possible, so I am now officially reinstated for good.
3: (laughs)
0: That is amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. We want to rewind really quick and talk about, you know, the moment in your book that you do talk about when your son came out to you is, especially for those of us in the LGBT community, such a poignant moment. And I'll tell you, you know, my father was a Southern Baptist minister, and I wish it had gone that way, but what do you think it is that where my father decided that somehow the devil had gotten into me? You, you in that moment recognized his pain and recognized that there was no way this could have been a choice for him. Yeah. What do you think it is about? Uh, you know whether it was your raising or what that made it more? You were able in that moment to make a uh you know a, a judgment that maybe was against what you were taught in the Church, but you knew in your heart was true that this was not something Mm -hmm. your son had chosen.
2: Yeah, you know, that's that's a very um, interesting uh, and also a very deep question. Uh, Mm -hmm. I come from a Baptist background myself, and so at one point I was taught to believe by the Church that homosexuality is a sin. And I had all these, you know, all these notions about Mm-hmm. You know what homosexuals are and 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 uh, and how they don't you know fit into the kingdom of God and that sort of thing, so for me it was a it was a long evolution so so you know I'm so sorry to hear about your your father but but I really don't want to blame him i I really want to blame the church for that
3: right the church right.
2: doctrine mm-hmm. uh, because because the church has such a powerful position uh you know whatever the church says has something to do with your Salvation with your with your soul's salvation, right? right. And and so so th- and that that power, you know, can be mm-hmm. used mm-hmm. for good and it can be used for bad. And so that's why I talk about spiritual abuse by the church. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I lecture on this now, because uh, because it's a fact I saw it in my son, and I, I'm seeing it all around me, and and it's so powerful when when a a church, a doctrine says that, and it right, is being yeah. enforced. Um it, you know it it you know, I can't really blame your dad because because he was probably in a, in a terrible dilemma himself, right,
3: right. Mm-hmm.
2: you
1: know that's very interesting you say that because we were just talking about earlier uh on the show about that where you know ministers in church have such power, and we were talking about a minister down in um uh Arizona, Arizona who says that gay should be executed because of their sexuality because it's wrong. Um, so that's interesting you bring that up. How how do you think we go about changing the church doctrines? How do you think we go about, um, you know, changing that big, big, big picture thing, which is the church and how they teach uh, against or pro-homosexuality?
2: Well, I, I believe what changed things for me was mm-hmm. when I actually met gays and lesbians. Sure. Um, I grew up in Germany, and, uh, and, and in Germany— uh, you know, Germany had civil civil rights for for homosexuals a long time ago. At least the civil marriage, the right. mm-hmm. civil ceremony, and uh, and the church, actually the the um, the Evangelical Church, not the the Roman Catholic part of the, the right. state church, but the but the um, Evangelical part of mm-hmm. the state church has also, for the most part, embraced our homosexual lesbian brothers and sisters, and also uh, do marriage ceremonies, and so. Um, when I started to meet um, gays and lesbians, especially when I realized that they believed the same thing the same way and and had a very strong faith, mm-hmm. it really changed me on the spot. And I think that's what's what's changing America right now and our society is is that, and, and especially in churches when we see the faith of of our lgBTq children and right. relatives, you know. Cousins and nephews and, and nieces, we 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 realize, oh my goodness, you know, they they're just regular people, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're no evil people, you know. They're they're regular people with the same struggles, with the same kind of faith issues we have. Mm-hmm. They want to yeah, be faithful yeah. to, you know, to 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 their God and and to their, you know, church and, and whatnot. And, and all of a sudden, we realize, oh my goodness, you know. This can't be right. These teachings Mm -hmm. cannot be right. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And I mean, and to come to that conclusion, you know, I know it was such a struggle reading your book. um, When you knew what you felt in your heart was right, but you also knew what it would mean if you were public about what you felt. But it seemed like if you if you read the book that, you know, this concerned group within within your home church really had it in for you anyways and this i think was a convenient way for them to do that you were always so full of grace when it came Uh to forgiveness and being able to rise above because i'll tell you reading it it was hard for those that read it to to not be angry at people we didn't know but to see Uh what they put you through how were you able to stay so grace-filled during this, you know, meeting with these people like the Concerned Group and having to be put on trial by people in your own church, how were you able to keep balanced and still say, stay so full of forgiveness?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very good question. And if I'm 100% honest, and I hope I was that in my book too, mm-hmm. there were days when I was really angry and hurt and I, I, I just right. wanted to lash out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's human. You know, I mean, nobody is is uh, you know uh, strong enough to to withstand some of those attacks and onslaughts. I mean, right. they were pretty hefty. So I I I was, and, and at times actually I was fearful because mm-hmm. at times I asked myself, you know, what else are they capable of doing? You know, if they if they stoop that low, you know, to sure. make up lies like that, uh, what else are they capable of doing? You know, so I was I was wondering actually. If if they had guns, and you know, maybe stop by my house, and you know, I was really afraid for my family and myself
1: for their safety.
2: But but what's always got me around really is um, I have always preached and practiced Mm -hmm. uh, the love and grace of of our amazing God, who who has unconditional love for everybody, and so Mm -hmm. that's really what I what I have preached all my years. Uh, in the Church, and, and also really try to live out as best as I could. And so, as a minister, of course, you know, you are on that pedestal, and people watch you very closely, and I'm right, aware yeah, of that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, I, I, I just can't stoop to that level, and I can't lash out at these people. Um, you know, paying repaying evil with evil, I just can't do it. I have mm-hmm. to stay true to what I've preached all these years, and, and to also what I've practiced all these years. And right. even though it was very, very hard, I have to admit it was very hard to stand in front of my congregation on a Sunday morning when this was all going on. And some of the same people that, that did these things to me sat right in front of me in the, mm-hmm. the pews. It was so hard. It was so hard to right, yeah. to talk about the love and forgiveness and the grace of God. Um, but I knew I had to do it, and, and, and somehow I, I received the strength to do so. And when I when I did... It was really almost like a freeing moment and an experience for me. You know, that, that love really overcame, you know, all that negativity and and, and and so I could actually take some joy out of out of having been given the strength to stay above. You know, and not lower yeah, yeah, myself yeah. to that level.
1: Yeah. You you talk about, you know, having finding the strength to finally talk about uh you know, love and preach in front of the people who have hurt you, and you also talked in your book about finding that moment when you realized that you couldn't just be silent or not address the LGBT uh, issue, and you decided Mm -hmm. that you were going to preach those uh, sermons. You were going to talk about it openly in your church, and that was going to be part of what what you stood for. What was that moment like? Could you walk us through, you know, finding the strength where you realized that you had to do that and where it was your calling? Mm
2: -hmm. And that's another very good Good question to ask because that is very very hard. Sure. Because as ministers, uh, you know, we we try to be ministers to everybody. You know, we we, we are the supposedly the shepherds of the people, and mm-hmm. and we're supposed to really have everybody in mind and and minister to everybody equally, right? Um, right. So we always have that pressure. they are always under under pressure to walk that fine line, so that we don't offend any of those. People, any of the people groups in the church, right? That's right. that's a reality for us. That that, after while we're so conditioned to do mm-hmm. that. We don't want to misstep. You know, we become very careful the way we tread and what choose very wisely the words we we share. But but at one point, I <laughs> I realized for myself, that I was also really encouraged and kind of pushed by my wife, and she's a wonderful person. <laughs> uh, she, you know, she 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 kept telling me, you know, Frank, you you have to say it. There's just no way around it. Everybody knows that we have three gay children. Um right. and so one Sunday she actually I think it's in the book, she actually said to me, um, Frank, I'm gonna put a equal sticker on my car and there's <laughs> nothing you can do to prevent <laughs> that from happening. I'm going to park it in the church park parking lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so she really encouraged me. And uh, mm. you know what, I, I listened to her because I listened to her because I wanted that same thing. I wanted to Open up and share, and, and 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 have a message message of justice, uh, and 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 yet I felt I was so afraid that that you know people would be offended and and this would divide the church. And so so I did more and more, and and of course after all this came out, after the complaint was filed, and then there was this this very public congregational meeting, and and all of this was laid into the open. That was like an, a coming out. Mm-hmm. experience for me right. it was amazing sure. I and mean, he finally was able to say everything and anything i always wanted to say <laughs> and really lay it on the line you know and right. it was like wow this feels so right this feels sure. so great you know sure. finally i i feel like i can be the kind of minister that god has called me to be right it was just amazing
0: and i've got to believe i mean your family it must have been such a beautiful moment i mean to have your i think about if my father had been able to stand up and just say, you know what, I'm here because I want everybody to be welcome to God's Word. I'm here, and I'm proud of my son. You know, all children want to hear their father say that. I've got to believe that mm-hmm. had to be such an amazing moment for your entire family because you have so yeah. embraced it.
2: Oh, my goodness. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they kept telling me, we're so proud of you, Dad. And and finally, my wife could say that, too. But I'm so proud of you, honey, you know, for for. You know, finally, mm-hmm. really laying it on the line and and standing up. And you know, as I was facing my trial, um, I, I took that same attitude. I, I was there was no way I was going to go bo- go back into the closet on this. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> right.
3: Right. <laughs> exactly.
2: So it, I just had to stand up and 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 really not only defend myself but really, um, really address the issue with the church and really. Sure. Um, yeah. Letting letting the church have it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and letting them letting them know, you know, what's going on, because I really truly believe that uh, that the, the church has not listened in the past,
3: right, um, right. you know,
2: mm-hmm. to to the pain that that they have caused, and created with with this horrible doctrine, and what this does to people. They, I don't think they really were listening to that, and and I think that has changed a lot. I mean, I don't want to take all the credit for that, but I, <laughs> I think I think there was some somewhat of a you know, my trial was somewhat of a watershed moment for our United Methodist Church. It, mm-hmm. it rallied a lot oh, of yeah. of the progressives, and I think I think finally, uh, you know, people were starting to listen. You know, to 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 the to that story and to other stories as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: right of course and and this whole story and the trial and everything it was so um out there and everyone heard about it it's definitely life-changing for for the church and for you um and another life-changing moment was honestly the wedding for you um how how was doing the wedding the same-sex marriage you wrote in your book that it was you didn't know how to begin so you looked for um you know some some pointers on how to do that uh, it, it is a different experience um what was that like? You know, your son's first wedding, and it's a same-sex marriage. It's your first same-sex marriage you did.
2: Yeah. Not only was it the first marriage, same-sex marriage I did, it was the first one I attended, too.
3: Right, <laughs> right, yeah.
2: So, so I Completely had a lot knew, of questions, yeah. And yeah. I was very nervous about it, because sure. I just I just didn't know. I, I knew uh-huh. that something just didn't work. You know, in terms of using the, the, the Church's mm-hmm. litany, I, I knew some of these things I couldn't say it, it wouldn't have sounded right to declare them husband and husband. Right.
3: Sure, you know, that yeah. sort
2: of thing. So <laughs> I started to, to you know, I, I had a very good friend who actually had um, formed the marriage of, of his lesbian daughter, um, Steve Erickson, uh, with, with good friends. And, and so he he went through it before me. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, you know, what, what, uh, what did you use? You know, where did you find those resources? And, uh, you know, can I use that? You know, can you help me? Sure. And he did, and uh, and I found some some stuff on Google as well. <laughs> <It> was amazing. <laughs> Even back then, in two thousand six or two thousand seven, yeah. there were a lot, right? a lot of resources on gay marriage out there. That's it's pretty awesome. really amazing.
3: Uh-huh.
0: What did you find? Was what were the similarities? What was surprising when you did your son's wedding that you found maybe surprising that it was the same as other wedding ceremonies? Yeah, and what was different for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was amazing to just see it all happening i mean you know the entrance and the music and and it was it was just so beautiful i was like wow this is not different from any other wedding you know right, and right. and they were the room was full of of course family and friends and and then what was was different i thought was when i declared them married that applause which is sure. never end
3: oh. it was
2: so much support and people felt so good about you know the same sex wedding happening uh right in front of them and it. It mm-hmm. was, was their beloved Bobby and their beloved Tim, you know? And, yeah, and they, right. they, it was a moment of victory. It, it was a victory celebration. That's what I felt. Sure. It was like that moment.
1: Well that, that that just sounds like the best thing. I've I've never been right. to a same sex marriage either, so hopefully one day um We'll be there. We'll be there. But that um that, that sounds like the best moment um anyone could experience. And you you say in your book that you call your family an LGBT family because uh three of your four children uh happen to be lesbian or gay and you um you take such pride in that. How, how do you find pride to just, you know, go out there and say, this is an LGBT family that I have, not just mm-hmm. accept them, but also, you know, tell the whole world about to it? own them, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it, it feels great. And I, I really believe that in, in many ways uh, we are a, mm-hmm. a model family. We model how to be a family in a diverse World, especially in the church world, right? Um, and what I what I tell people with pride is, you know what? We love each other. It works. You know, we're a great family. and you know, we can't wait to get together, all
3: of us. <laughs> right?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there are also sometimes tensions, but you know, we're we're a great family. We, you know, it works and it, it, it's beautiful. And then, of course, I always tell the story about our youngest Pascal. Mm. Uh, we were wondering about him: is he gay? Is he straight? And right. and so I always joke that he was the first person. In history, you had to come out as straight. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't find that in many families, you
0: know. <laughs> so you really are the modern family. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah really. <Amazing>. We <laughs> love that show, by the way. Uh, right, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> great Now, one of, the
0: th- one of the things I find so fascinating, and actually it's a great uh, thing, you know, to learn that, that you have been put back as a United Methodist minister, but you, even during the trial, even when you were defrocked, you refused— to leave the church. You really wanted to make change from within, and what a very difficult uh, decision and position to be in. What made you decide that you were going to stay with this church that really had not supported you and had gone through actions to show you how much they had not supported you? What was it that gave you the strength that said, no, I'm going to still plant my foundation here because you still believed so much in it?
2: Uh, a couple of things about that. Well, first of all, I mean, I joined the United Methodist Church about maybe twenty-two, twenty-three mm-hmm. years ago now, uh, because I really liked the United Methodist Church because there was such a diversity within the church, uh, which is incredible.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. And
2: of course, um, you know, some wording was already in the in the Book of Discipline back then, uh, even though that was long before gay marriage and all that. But, um, and, and, uh, and I never, I never liked it, but I never thought it was a big deal until I, you know, found out how big of a deal it is. But, um, but I liked you know, the United Methodist Church. And, and I think what
3: mm-hmm. drew, drew
2: me to the church is the fact that we are a totally diverse church. I mean, if you think about it, uh, George Bush as well as, uh, Hillary Clinton. Are you not a Methodist? Oh, well, I mean, wow, <laughs> that's right. A, <laughs> I that's
1: interesting. They're so opposite. <laughs> There's a big yeah. spectrum
3: there, you
2: know? Yeah, right.
1: Well, that's interesting. See, a lot of people, like like you say, they're so different, but a lot of people go into um, a church looking for God, but then they find uh, religion instead, which, you know, a, a lot of the times is all these rules and all these different thinking, um, and, and a lot of hey, honestly, um, we see that in churches. So um, what do you think? it is about people that look for God and find religion. Do you think people should um, still go to church for the community? Do you think they, it should be more personal? Yeah, how do What's... you
0: reconcile that? Because obviously a man uh, like you who is trying to make that welcoming, um, I do believe there's a difference between that and religion, which is there and seems to be so stifling. How do you make the balance?
2: Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a very, very uh, good question as well. Um I think what really, and that's the second aspect of what really encouraged me to stay within mm-hmm. the church and uh, and actually work from within the church for change was was that I've seen the other side of the church, which mm-hmm. I consider the true church, the true, you know, the Methodist church. That's the reconciling part, you know, the open right. and affirming part. And I'm not just talking about the LGBT community. I'm talking about the allies as well. And there's a right. strong movement, mm-hmm. and, right, and we're yeah. really, I feel like we're on the cusp of something. You know, we're we're gaining momentum like crazy. Um, and so church can be a place where where you can experience God and fellowship, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, it can be a remarkable experience, an amazing experience. I mean, just today, um, a perfect example, we, we actually became um, my new church uh, here in Isla Vista, the University Church. We just became reconciling. We became one of the rebel churches.
1: Oh, in the United nice, States, church. rebel churches. <laughs> I love that.
2: And you should have seen the joy that was in this mm-hmm. I mean... It was, first of all, it was packed and and it was it wasn't just you know worship to God, but it was also that sense of community that we were talking about earlier. Sure. you know we we felt like connected with each other, you know gay and right. straight together and, and and we were making a statement you know to our church and to our community, you know that in our place there will not be discrimination. And it just felt so good. It, it, it was so inspiring all around. It, and that's how church can be, and I believe that's what church should be like.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. But
2: we can't get there if we, if we try to, you know, to, to force doctrine down people's throats. If, yeah, exactly. if, we, if we work on principles of fear you know, to, to try to keep people in line, it's not going to work that way. It has to be a message of love and acceptance and grace.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. And I think we we stumble the most on grace for whatever reason. Mm. Um, and I think you, you know, reading your book was more than inspiring to both Sergey and I. And to see your example of grace, it was, it gave me back some of the things that I think I gave up and sacrificed when I was so hurt by the church. Now, I do want to ask you, Reverend Schaefer, what is coming? Sure. So I love that in June you were, you know, brought back into the church what what is coming for you what plans do you have what can we look forward to as people who maybe you know we're not in your congregation down there but we have found such inspiration from you and your story
2: well one of the things i am now committed to of course since i happen to appointed now to a local charge again is to really work in this community and and mm-hmm. really change this community and 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 really open this space up for ministry to everybody and that's that's already happening in a, in a wonderful way, uh, and beyond that, I am still um, on a on a lighter schedule now on right. my uh, speaking circuit. But uh, tomorrow, for instance, I'm going to to speak, and then also uh, convene a, a discussion panel at a local PFAC chapter. Oh, beautiful! And, uh, and so I have those things lined up, and I, I will I will continue to do that. Mm-hmm. But my my biggest project is going to be General Conference oh. in 2016, and that's coming. You know rather sooner than later right there's you a know, lot of prep it, yes and so so we really want to make sure that the message is received by this by these delegates at that conference that mm-hmm. that we will just not accept business as usual there has to be a change or else sure and i'm sorry that you know we we have to sound a little threatening uh, but right. but you know what we I mean, if there were to be no change whatsoever, um, I'm not sure that I could be a United Methodist any longer at that point.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Well, I I have to say, yeah, yeah. you have been an inspiring instrument of change. And um, I definitely want to thank you. This book was... Uh, needed, and I'm glad that yes, I read it. it and was. both Sergey and I want to thank you, Reverend Schaefer, for mm-hmm. taking time to speak with Outspoken today and to speak to our listeners here in Spokane, Washington. And uh, we are definitely going to urge anybody who who has any interest in the church. This is a your story is inspiring, and it takes you on an emotional ride. I'll tell you, we were angry Crying. and yes. cried yes. and loved the inspiration at the end. And I am glad there are men like you still out there so we want to thank thank you for that yeah and thank you so much and thank you for being with us and we hope you have a wonderful sunday which is you know your busiest day if you're a reverend (laughs) yes yes it is (laughs) okay well thank you sir thank you so much
2: thank you for having me have a great day you too
0: and if you have just joined us you have been listening to outspoken we have been uh talking to the Reverend Franklin Schaefer, author of the book Defrocked, How a Father's Act of Love Shook the United Methodist Church. Very inspiring, mm-hmm. actually. Very good. And I wanted to read one of the quotes that, uh, that I did uh, kind of highlight half this book in a little highlighter. But he says, if you want to be a part of transforming this world, mm-hmm. if you want to live without regrets over missed opportunities, you must follow your heart. You must take a stand.